It's time for episode 229 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, February 21st, 2018. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the only tech podcast that requires a daily winding like a fine watch. I'm your host, Micah Sargent, and I am joined across the internet by my host, Dan Morin. How you doing, Dan? I'm doing well. I'm glad you pronounced that because I read the opening line and thought uh, it requires a daily winding. Like, do I have to like <laughs> run up a hill? Jeez, this seems like a lot no, of work. That's our weather podcast, oh, Dan. Oh, right. Sorry. Yeah. Snow talk. <laughs> Snow talk. Um, Well, of course, we are joined by two awesome guests. Sitting to my left is video designer at Panic, Krista Mergen. Hello. How are you? Hi. Great. Thanks for having me. We're so happy to have you back. Thanks. And to my left, there is Slovenian podcaster and tech writer extraordinaire. Andrzej Tomic is back. Hi, Andrzej. Extraordinary. I like that one. You like that? I, I, you like that? Yeah, I like that one. So, hi, hi, hi. hi. Welcome back, Ajay. <laughs> uh, well, we're happy to have you both here. You all know how this show works. We've got four tech topics for folks, and I am going to get things started because we've only got 30 minutes. Uh, I have been ferociously consuming audiobooks as of late, just w- knocking them out one after the other, despite actually usually being a book reader instead of a book listener. So I'm curious how you consume books. Do you do it uh, with physical books, with Kindles, with audiobooks? Uh, what is your way? We'll start with Krista. Great. I actually love audiobooks too. Um, so I have an Audible subscription. So I listen to at least one book per month that way um, because basically you paid $14.95 or something and you you get one credit for an audiobook per month. So I consume a lot of them that way too. Um, when I'm doing purely visual work, um, after all of the planning and problem solving stuff is finished and it's just down to execution, I really love just listening to audiobooks or podcasts. Um, but I also read books on the Kindle app for iOS a lot. Um, I tend to use that over iBooks, though I occasionally read books there too. Um, The fonts are better there, but I'm just kind of embedded in the Amazon ecosystem as far as books go. Um, And sometimes I actually read a paper book, um, believe it or not. I actually, I'm mostly a print book person. um, And in that case, I use both um, your conventional print books, uh, because I like getting them out of the library, uh, as well as eBooks on my Kindle. Uh, I prefer reading on the Kindle over uh, my iPhone or my iPad just for the the reading experience, the e-ink screen. Uh, I find more pleasurable to read on that than I do on um, screens. And oftentimes I want to read like before I go to bed and sort of unwind from all the screen time I've had. I'm not really a big audiobook uh, audiobook person, and for the same reason, I don't tend to listen to a lot of podcasts is because most of my work is either podcasting, editing podcasts, or writing, none of which are super conducive to listening to podcasts. However, uh, a couple weeks ago, when my girlfriend and I were in Iceland and driving around the country, we had a lot of time in the car, and we actually signed up for an Audible trial so we could download Neil Gaiman's Norse Mythology and listen to the audiobook as we drove around Iceland because it seemed really appropriate. And that was delightful. Uh, so I'm not sure that I would basically, you know, be as diligent as Krista about listening to a book every month. So Audible may not be for me. But um, yeah, I can. I started to see a little bit more of the appeal there. I just read on vacation, basically. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's Yeah, because I listen to podcasts all the time. So I just have no time to fit in an audiobook. 
So I do have a Kindle, uh, the second uh, generation one with the physical keyboard. It still works. I still get free internet all over the world, basically, which is kind of nice sometimes. Uh, and um, I've been working through the John Le Carré Smiley mm-hmm. books. Excellent. I just read, I was in Croatia for a week on vacation a couple of weeks ago and I read uh, Smiley's People. So that's basically been my uh, uh, book diet uh, most of the time because uh, um, I kind of don't want to lug around paper books. I'm ve- I'm not anti-paper books. But I, <laughs> I just, like the Kindle is such a magical device or mm-hmm. any e-reader. It's just so great. The, 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 you know, my shtick is always, you know, there's no Slovene in any tech product and it's the same with the Kindle ecosystem. I do know for a fact that um, uh, a guy that wrote a really great book uh, in Slovene got it to the, uh, onto the Kindle uh, store by pretending he was from Spain, the Basque region. So, because nobody <laughs> understands that language except for like seven people in Spain and there's like six Slovenians. So, he kind of <laughs> snuck it in there. So, that was the only Slovene book I could like officially get on the Kindle, which is kind of great. And I think if we're talking about, uh, if we're talking about books, I think you have to, uh, so he doesn't have to, we'll just shamelessly promote The Cladonian Gambit, a book yes. by Dan Moran. <laughs> there is an audio book for, for what it's worth. <laughs> yeah, there's an audio book and everything, which I think we should just mention so you, uh, so you don't have to then oh thanks so, i appreciate yeah. it <laughs> well it's funny i was gonna gonna throw that out there i i just uh wrapped on on listening to the uh audiobook version i read it on the kindle and then uh listened to it on on um audible i also have an audible subscription and uh went through a lot of neil gaiman stuff that way uh whenever i'm traveling i like to listen to audiobooks um and then daily, whenever I'm not doing writing and things like that, uh, podcasts are where um, I, I will, you know, put my ears. But uh, when it comes to truly consuming a book, um, I like taking its power. Um, <laughs> I, I like to have a physical book because I am one of those uh, perhaps treacherous to some people, treacherous people who will write in in their books. I like to note on them, like my my books are torn up uh, oh. with you know the the binds broken and uh, been written in. I'm sorry, uh, <laughs> but like that's the one way for me to truly consume a book. So the the best books. I get physical versions of them so that I can uh, write in them and, and really consume them. Um, thank you all for your answers on that. Dan, I'm sorry for breaking your heart. Let's move along to Krista's topic. So I recently wrapped up a startup, um, RIP Civil, very sad. But um, our aim was to fix online news comments. And so I still think a lot about where and how people get their news, especially on their phones. So if you are an iOS user, do you use Apple News much? Um, And do you have any other news apps from specific media companies like the Washington Post or Wired or maybe your local paper? Um, And what do you like about mobile apps for news specifically? Or how is their experience lacking maybe in comparison to getting your news from social media, especially when it's breaking? So I don't use Apple News that much, but I did launch it the other day for the first time. What felt like a while, um, and <laughs> I, I was I went I was curious, and it had changed a little bit since the last time I had actually tried to use it. I think part of my problem there is it still feels a little too. I'm going to say Apple-y in the sense that like it, it really tries to be smart about like assembling what you want to read. And I found that some of the stuff in there was a little perplexing as to how it decided like I should be reading People magazine. I was like, ah, I don't really want to read People <laughs> magazine. Um, so uh, my news is mainly consumed either from social media. Uh, I do have 
Uh, I now it's funny. I should probably turn these off. But so I have the New York Times app, um, which I do read from time to time. But I mainly I, because I use it to get the breaking news alerts. But I also somehow started getting those breaking news alerts through the Apple News app for the Washington Post. And at some point, I also seem to have gotten it for NPR, too. So it's interesting to see what happens, because sometimes you'll get, like, three of them in succession, all for the same story. And then sometimes you'll find there are some stories some of them cover, and others don't cover, which is also really interesting. Um, I, I think it's, you know, hard to, like, get your news from a single um, publication source, just because there are too many other viewpoints out there that are interesting or things that slip through the cracks. Uh, and that's one reason I do like social media, but even it has its flaws there because you tend to see stuff that you probably already agree with. Um, so, I mean, uh, other than that, I try to listen to a lot of the radio, basically. I actually think that's the the way I predominantly get my news is from NPR or something like that um, or from social media. So I haven't really found a news app that I like a lot, um, but perhaps I just haven't found the right one yet. Anjay, what about you? Well, I was the online editor for a magazine over here until like a year ago, I think. So I, I dealt with my fair share of comments on the website. <laughs> and it was sort of a political magazine. So, you know, fun. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we basically, we, we, but yeah, we basically just went for the uh, sort of the uh, reader, reader submission uh, type thing where people actually had to sign their names and stuff and would be very selective. We just closed down the comments at some point because it just got too much, honestly. Uh, so I do sort of understand where you guys are coming from. And I actually followed Civil for a while just, just to see what you guys were up to. But like over here, it's a little, at least for me, uh, as far as American news goes, I have the now, which is kind of nice, the, the New Yorker uh, browser extension. So every time I launch a new tab in Chrome, I get like four New Yorker stories, which is kind of great if anything happens. Because they're, they're sort of, you know, it's not breaking news, but they'll follow the big political stuff. And I'm sort of into that. But uh, I, I tried like Apple News a couple of times on the um, uh, iPad and yeah, not, not, not my thing. I, I'm still, uh, I still kind of do upkeep on my RSS feeds. And I just, uh, there's uh, just no good RSS clients on Android now. Like uh, my favorite was Press, which was like at least one of those, it looked like an an iOS person designed an app on Android, like really nice. (laughs) But they they just, the company just vanished and it stopped working uh, like I think a couple of months ago for me. So I just found one now that works and I'm doing air quotes now. So yeah, but as far as comments go, I'm just, I'm uh, just because I worked in the industry, I'm just over them. I, I don't, I, I have common blindness, basically. I just don't see them anymore. I just, I can't. Because I used to, you know, I used to run a website that had a lot of just sort of vitriol on it uh, in the comments section. And uh, I, I was so happy when I convinced everybody that we should just shut it down. And uh, now I'm, I work at a radio station, uh, the national radio in Slovenia. And uh, we just did the redesign of the site and the comments are gone there as well, which I'm <laughs> proud of as well. So, yeah. <laughs> bye bye comments yeah uh for for me i will i actually do like apple news um i don't the thing is i don't tend to pop in and read a lot of the articles um unless it's something that really catches my attention i keep the the breaking news or or the uh editor alerts turned on whatever it is so that i can see them sort of on my apple watch uh pop up there and and on my phone throughout the day so i get notifications from different sites uh all through apple news and use that to sort of keep abreast of uh of 
news that that I think is potentially important. Most of the the stuff that I end up clicking on is stuff that I see on Twitter that is of interest to me. Um, I used to work as a like full on journalist, not just in in the tech space, but uh, you know covering breaking news and all sorts of stuff. And so I pretty much would spend like 50 hours a week just steeped in horrible news and good news sometimes occasionally and it, it was just sort of like a and now that i i don't do that anymore i had to step away from just being constantly uh seeped in in all of that stuff so yeah i i use the apple news uh, notifications and uh try to stick with just that as my sort of way to catch all of the important stuff nice I mean, I have nine different news apps on my phone, um, including two different ones from the Washington Post. So I could go on and on, but I, um, I don't think I will. I, I love seeing um, what different media companies are doing with their apps and sort of um, innovations and in interface and that sort of thing. But um, yeah, I won't. I won't go on and on about it. <laughs> well, uh, thank you all for the first half of the show. We have reached halftime, and I'd love to tell you all about Linode. With Linode, you'll have access to a suite of powerful hosting options with prices starting at, what, just $5 a month. And guess what? You're going to be up and running with your own virtual server in the Linode cloud in under a minute. Linode has hundreds of thousands of customers who are all serviced by their friendly 24-7 support staff. You can email them, call them, or even chat over IRC in the Linode community. They know how important it is to get the help that you need, and they've also got a suite of amazing guides and support documentation, so you can get the references yourself when you need them. Linode's intuitive control panel will allow you to deploy, boot, resize, snapshot, and clone. All those fun verbs, your virtual servers in just a few clicks. And of course, they've got two-factor authentication to keep everything locked up safe. Linode is great for tasks like hosting large databases, operating a VPN, and so, so much more. As fantastic pricing options available, their plans start at a gig of RAM for just five bucks a month, and they've got high memory plans starting with 16 gigs of RAM. As a listener of this show, if you sign up at linode.com slash clockwise, you'll not only be supporting us, but you're going to get $20 towards any plan. On that gig of RAM plan, that's four free months. That's bonkers. With a seven-day money-back guarantee, there is nothing to lose. So go to linode.com slash clockwise, learn more, sign up, and take advantage of that $20 credit, or you can use that promo code clockwise2018 at checkout. Thanks so much to Linode for supporting our show. And let's move on to Dan's topic. So Twitter late last week killed its Mac app and decided to push people towards the web. My question is, does this matter to you? Are you a user of third-party Twitter apps, whether on your desktop or on your mobile device? And more importantly, given this, do you sort of worry about the future of uh, the Twitter client in various ecosystems? Anjay, what do you think? Well, for my work, I use TweetDeck all the time because I'm signed into probably, I don't know, seven Twitter accounts or something. I, I, I genuinely don't know at this point. But So I've been using Twitter through the web interface of some sort for a while now. And I'm on Windows anyway, so, you know, TweetDeck was basically the only option uh, there. But um, on, on the phone, I use third-party apps all the time because I think the uh, official Twitter apps are just awful. Because, no, I do not want to know if I've missed something and show me less and it never works you know all of that stuff so <laughs> yeah and honestly like i i don't think that's such a big deal because they weren't uh, the mac app being discontinued because they weren't uh, as far as i know weren't really working on it at all 
So I think it's better maybe to just let it, you know, go away and then use the web because, you know, Twitter on the web, honestly, is not that bad. It used to be. It used to be crap. We all, you know, we probably all remember the, the, the whale thing when it could just, would just crash <laughs> yes. all of the time, right? Fail so, whale. like, I've never experienced that. I mean, never. Like, in the last couple of years, I've just never experienced that. So, you know, once you get used to TweetDeck, but that is sort of a, you know, multiple accounts sort of for work Twitter, right? But I, I know a lot of people that, you know, will have iPhones that will use, like, TweetBot or Twitterific or whatever, and they'll use uh, the uh, the website on the, um, on the computer, and they'll be fine, except for the, you know... The sort of where Twitter tries to be a social media platform and not a, like a broadcast place, which is what it is with all, with all of those in case you missed it and moments and I don't know all of the weird stuff they do that I hopefully that I really don't see because I used Twitter and third party clients. So yeah. Um, when I first joined Twitter, uh, just a couple months under ten years ago, which is just bonkers. What am I saying? Ten years ago, what? Um, I used the uh, Tweetbot app, um, and at some point, I switched over to the official Twitter client on on iOS. And I can't remember why I did that, but I have never switched back. I've tried switching back, and I've just always stuck with the first party client. Um, so I've never really had a, a problem with using Twitter through other means because I, I haven't wanted to. Um, same with Anjay. I have used TweetDeck for years. Again, going back to my previous job as a journalist covering breaking news as well as other things. Uh, TweetDeck was very helpful for that. And then also being signed into way too many accounts. Um, and so I, you know, I, I heard that Twitter for Mac was closing down and it was like, yeah, I want them to focus their attention on TweetDeck and on their first party clients and also making sure that third party clients can have access to the things that the first party clients do. So I'm not, a, I'm not really upset about this and I'm not really worried about them per se. Um, you know, reading the tea leaves, perhaps it's an issue, but it's it's something that I am okay with uh, going away. Hmm. Well, I really like Twitterific for Mac, but I actually usually find myself just opening Twitter in a browser tab on my desktop anyway, uh, which I feel kind of bad about. But um, <laughs> I use Twitter more on my phone anyway. Um, I use Twitter's own iOS app these days, uh, but I used to use Twitterific there too. Um, yeah, and like Mike, I don't remember why I switched away. I think I switched away because um, Twitterific for iPhone didn't have feature parity on some new thing. I forget what now um, that Twitter's own app did have. Um, so actually, I totally blame Twitter for that. Um, I do worry about the future of third-party Twitter app developers, though. Um, I want third-party developers to survive because I like to see different takes on what Twitter's interface can be. And because I just want indie developers to keep doing their thing, basically. Um, it does seem like Twitter is constantly undermining or outright sabotaging third-party app developers, which is a bummer. Um, but I don't really care that Twitter killed their own Mac app. Um, it seems like a weird move to me, but, you know, whatever. Yeah, I think I agree that they did it mainly because they weren't working on it, uh, as Anjay was saying. Um, I am a, an avid third-party user. I use TweetBot on both my Mac and on my uh, ios device i own twitterific as well and sometimes i poke my head in there every once in a while just to see what's changed and there's definitely places where twitter has said that like essentially it won't give access to third-party developers some features so for example you can't do uh, group dms in any third-party clients kind of a bummer uh and yeah. you can't see polls either which is also super annoying but that said for me the fact that it has still a straight up chronological timeline in the third-party yep. apps as well as no 
basically no ads, which is <laughs> feels weird, right? Like that feels like I'm yes. getting away with something all the time, and I I do love it. Like if people talk about ads and promote tweets all the time, I'm like I have literally no idea what you're talking about. Um, so I do want them to stay around because I really enjoy the. That's how I consume Twitter. That is it is synonymous with Twitter for me. Uh, so. I guess I'm hoping that uh, there's an opportunity here for the Mac app, the third-party Mac apps, to pick up some of the slack. And I'm hoping that Twitter will, as Krista said, uh, sort of you know reevaluate its its relationship with third-party developers and maybe loosen up a little bit. But I'm not holding my breath on that front. Thanks for your answers there, uh, Anjay. What's your topic? All right, so I just saw the MQBHD video where he tested the uh, Synaptics under the glass uh, fingerprint sensor on a phone. Because we all know, you know, phones are supposed to have an all-screen front now for some reason, which is, you know, <laughs> that's the law, apparently. Uh, so, you know, Apple went with Face ID, which, you know, I've used that it works. It's, in my opinion, not the same as a fingerprint sensor. And this seems to be, you know, at least in that video, like I think Marquez is kind of um, great with, you know, not overhyping stuff and um, being kind of calm, even if it does kind of work good. And this looked like a pretty great version one. So I'm just wondering if, you know, if like an under the glass type fingerprint is as fast as touch ID. Does that mean face ID was maybe, I, w- I won't say like a mistake, but sort of maybe it can be in the vein of the, you know, touch bar on the Mac, which seems like a great idea. And then it's kind of like, you know, not. So I, I, won't, <laughs> I won't go that far maybe, but, you know, just in that vein, because I don't know the, 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 the fact that when you can have a phone and then just, you know, touch it anywhere, almost, and it'll unlock because it's you. That's kind of great uh, versus, you know, trying to kind of remove my glasses and make the phone see me and then unlock. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that there are many reasons why this is a, a cool thing. Um, certainly the idea of being able to touch sort of anywhere on the phone and have it recognize you, whether you're looking at the phone or not, whether you're like lying down or, or the phone is to the side, those are all great things. Those are areas I think where Face ID um, is designed to not work, including when the phone is in landscape and things like that. Um, that said, uh, living in the Midwest and going through winter right now, um, I have been very thankful for Face ID as opposed to Touch ID. Uh, simply put, when I'm outside and it's freezing, bone-chillingly cold, and I have my hands covered with gloves that have little... Um, fabrics woven into them let me use my touchscreen it's very nice that i don't have to have my fingers out or take off my glove and try to press that button to to get me into my phone i just pop it up to my face and it works uh it sees me through my glasses it sees me whether i've grown out my wintry beard or not it sees me um <laughs> whether even with with sunglasses that i have and things like that um i've been very 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 happy with face id despite being super skeptical of it at first um but to be frank I don't care what technology is used to let me into my phone as long as it keeps my data safe and is convenient for me. Um, so you can, I don't know, put a little uh, gnome inside of my phone that he has to, <laughs> like I have to give it a special riddle that, that then I answer and that lets me in. Whatever it takes, as long as it's super simple for me to get in my phone and I'll have to type my gigantic password, uh, bring on the gnome technology. <laughs> um, I, I agree. I actually have been really enjoying Face ID, and it is still a bit creepy to me, but I love being able to unlock my phone without touching it. 
Um, it feels super responsive. It actually seems to work better for me than um, the fingerprint ID ever did. Um, but I just feel like security measures should be, you know, move in that direction of being touch-free and, but also optimized for speed. Um, it'd be great, yeah, if there were a gnome or some kind of like personal force field detection, or if I could unlock my phone with my mind, that'd be amazing. <laughs> but yeah, uh, maybe it's just me, but I want both because Face ID. Um, I've had frustrations with it, um, including so I have a pair of the sunglasses that don't work with it, so I have to like fumble my sunglasses off every time, and it kind of annoys me. Uh, and it does seem to not do as well for me for whatever reason with adjusting to certain things. Like today, you know, I took off my sunglasses walking down the street and it just did not want to unlock still, maybe because I was wearing you know, a baseball cap or something like that. I have no idea. Um, so I've gotten a little frustrated and it felt like there are places where it feels like Touch ID succeeded uh, that Face ID didn't. But like Micah at the same time, uh, I also live in a climate that is cold many times of the year. So when it does work, it's really nice. <laughs> Um, so I, I'm frustrated because I don't feel like either of these is the best solution for me. Um, and I would love to have the, the versatility of, of doing both because the, the only thing I don't want to do is have to type in my super long passcode. Um, so I, I, I'm not holding my breath that Apple is going to bring touch ID back even with a, uh, embedded unit like this, but I, I do wish I had the option. Yeah, because the, the thing that surprised me was it like in the video at least I didn't need to try it, but it it I I thought it's just gonna suck. Like <laughs> I just thought it was gonna be like the worst thing ever, and it kind of worked. Because I just figured when Apple just decided to go with Face ID and just abandon Touch ID with the iPhone 10, I kind of figured you know they had they had it worked out. So I think they're confident that Face ID is gonna get that much better, which you know it can happen, of course. But I just thought that we weren't this close to you know a finger, fingerprint sensor under the glass. It kind of you know worked. That's why it kind of threw me when I saw that video. But yeah. Uh, well, I believe we have reached the end of the episode. All great answers, all great topics all around. Uh, we have just enough time for a bonus question, but let me kick it to our other sponsor. And uh, this episode of Clockwise is brought to you by our friends at Squarespace. If you enter the offer code clockwise at checkout, you're going to get 10% off your first purchase. You know about Squarespace. It's a site that lets you easily create a website for your next idea. You get a unique domain. They have great templates and so much more, whether you want to create an online store, a portfolio, or a blog. Squarespace is an all-in-one platform that lets you do just that and so much more. Nothing to install, you don't have to worry about patches or upgrades or any of that stuff because Squarespace has it all covered for you. And what they don't have covered, they've got 24-7 award-winning customer support that can help you out, lets you easily grab a unique domain name and get things kicked off. I've talked before about why I love Squarespace. A, it's easy to set up a site super simply. That's a lot of S's. And also because they are on top of new technologies. When HTTPS support was like, hey, everybody needs to have this, not just the big sites. They were right there with just a flick of a switch to turn that stuff on. Apple Pay for your stores. So much more. Plans start at only $12 a month. But you can start a trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com. And when you decide to sign up, use the offer code CLOCKWISE to get 10% off your first purchase and show your support for our show. Thank you so much, Squarespace, for your support. Squarespace, make your next move. Make your next website. Okay, my question for you. Imagine that there's a mystical being that empowers you with a superhuman trait. 
what would it be, and how would this mystical being curse it? So I'll give you an example of what mine would be. And by the way, I stole this from Atflar. It's Peter Cohen. Uh, th- my, my example would be that I can fly, but I'm never able to land again. So as soon as I take off in the air, like I'm stuck. <laughs> but at least I can fly. Nice. Um, well, I would love the ability to teleport anywhere in the world. Um, but the being would probably curse it by wiping my memory every time. Like maybe I'm assembled on the other end of the teleportation, but the catch is I can't remember the last few hours. So it would constantly be like walking into a room and immediately forgetting what I went in there for. Um, I was going to say, I want the mystical power to eat as much bread as possible, but the downside would be I'd get fat and then I realize that's the real world. So that's depressing. (laughs) Um, so instead, uh, the proportional strength of an insect, but I'm the size of an insect. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> That's oh wow. Okay, so ima- imagine this is like sort of a metaphor. So bear with me. Imagine I'm a country, right? Okay. Okay. And I okay. have a uh, fifteen hundred and thirty-five covered uh, ice rings where people can play hockey, right? So, you know, that's sort of my superpower, right? Uh-huh. Then I get to the Olympics as this country, right? Uh-huh. And I lose the first game to a country with seven ice rings. <laughs> so, Hypo- so Hypothetically? That, hypothetically, I, well, hypothetically that may have happened in Korea with uh, the USA and Slovenia. Maybe. Like, I just wanted to work that in somehow. Would we somehow beat you guys at hockey? Which is insane. Uh, yeah, that that's fantastic. I love that, uh, Anje, you always bring yeah. in uh, Slovenian sports uh, yep. to clockwise whenever you can, and we appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> we have reached the end of the episode. All that's left is to thank our awesome, awesome guests. Uh, thank you again, Krista Mergen, for joining us on this episode of Clockwise. Thanks so much for having me. And Anje Tomic, thank you so much for being here. We won. I just want to, you know, kind of just... <laughs> Yes, thank you. And, Micah, we've reached the end of the show, but we'll be back next week. Until then, we remind everybody, watch what you say. And keep (laughs) watching the clock. Bye, everybody. Bye.